Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. first I didn't actually know I had had a stroke. I just woke up one morning. I was pretty sick at the time. I'd been sick for about three weeks and I had been off work for about two days and I had pneumonia. And so I just thought I was really sick with pneumonia because I hadn't had pneumonia before. I got out of bed and like fell back down into bed. I had trouble getting up I just thought I was really exhausted from being sick and then I sort of stumbled my way to the bathroom and from there I sort of realized something wasn't right because I couldn't move my right arm in retrospect he realized that I had all the signs of a stroke so he dropped me at the hospital and because we had the kids he just dropped me and it was quite a scary experience being in the emergency department, not being able to communicate what your problem was. And yeah, I, I just couldn't speak. I had right side weakness. I had difficulty finding my words. I had slurred speech. Yeah, I had all the signs of a stroke. And I got an x-ray and I got sent home with pneumonia and stronger antibiotics. Hello, I'm Mark Goodyear. And this is the fourth season of Stroke Stories, the podcast that seeks out and hears from stroke survivors. In 2018, an estimated 387,000 Australians aged 15 and over had experienced a stroke at some point in their lives. The prevalence of stroke in Australian men is 1.6%, in women, slightly lower, 1.1%. In this episode, we hear from Jana Ford from Brisbane, who suffered a stroke in 2021 when she was 41. For work, I was a high school teacher before the stroke and I have a family. So I have three kids, which are little. They were, at the time of the stroke, they were nine and two and four. And I liked doing things like painting and drawing. I'm pretty creative because before I was a teacher, I was an art director in advertising for quite some time. So I enjoyed the creative side of things. And I did things like crochet and gardening and a lot of stuff that involved using my hands. At first, I didn't actually know I had had a stroke. I just woke up one morning. I was pretty sick at the time. I'd been sick for about three weeks and I had been off work for about two days and I had pneumonia. And so I just thought I was really sick with pneumonia because I hadn't had pneumonia before. So I was having trouble coughing and breathing and I just felt really horrible. And then I woke up, it was a Sunday morning. I woke up on Sunday morning and I got out of bed and like fell back down into bed. I had trouble getting up. I just thought I was really exhausted from being sick. 
And then I sort of stumbled my way to the bathroom. And from there, I sort of realized something wasn't right because I couldn't move my right arm and I couldn't lift my right leg. I still didn't really, nothing clicked yet because I was, you know, just half asleep and I didn't think anything of it. And it wasn't until probably later in the day that I just said to my husband, I couldn't really speak. So I think it took me about four hours to actually try and communicate to him that something was wrong. And all I could get out was nothing's working. And he took that as the antibiotics that the doctor gave me on Friday, they weren't working, but I actually meant my body isn't working, my brain's not working, and that was all I could tell him. In retrospect, he realised that I had all the signs of a stroke. So he dropped me at the hospital, and because we had the kids, he just dropped me. And it was quite a scary experience being in the emergency department not being able to communicate what your problem was. And yeah, I I just couldn't speak and I couldn't find the words and I didn't know what I was trying to say. And it's really hard when you're in triage and they're trying to work out what's wrong with you and you're trying to speak and you can't get any words out and all you can do is cry. (laughs) So yeah, it it was quite difficult. And then once I was in the emergency ward, Everyone had to wear masks and I think maybe that had something to do with it because if I wasn't wearing a mask, you would have noticed that my, the right side of my face, you know, wasn't coordinating with my left side when I was speaking and smiling and all of that. Although the, the doctors checked it, they kept getting me to take my masks down and smile, but I think it only happened a few times and it was interesting because when I would smile with showing my teeth and they were getting me to do that. So they were saying, give me a big smile, show your teeth. And I could do that. But if I closed my mouth and smiled, it was really uneven. I couldn't do do it, which was interesting. I had right side weakness. I had difficulty finding my words. I had slurred speech. Yeah, I had all the signs of a stroke. And I got an x-ray and I got sent home with pneumonia and stronger antibiotics. Although doctors didn't at first diagnose Jana's symptoms as a stroke, they suggested she came in again for more tests. One of the doctors said, I'd recommend that you get an MRI. And they said, on Sundays, we can't do MRIs because there's no one here to operate the machine. And so I went, oh, okay. Well, I was thinking, okay. And so they just said, well, we'll write you up a referral and then you can come in, you know, Monday or Tuesday and get it done. And I never heard back from the hospital. My husband took me to our local doctor and she was quite concerned because I still had all the signs of a stroke. I think that was on Monday. And then she wrote me a referral to get the MRI done but it wasn't actually until Wednesday that I could get that done. And so I went in on Wednesday and that's when the doctor said, oh, yeah, he sat me down and said, do you know that you've had a stroke? And I'm like, no, I had no idea, but it makes sense. (laughs) Then I went back to the hospital and they admitted me and I think they had done some kind of scan to make sure there wasn't a bleed on the brain. and 
because it was an ischemic stroke, they said it wouldn't show up till a couple of days later anyway, but they had checked that there wasn't a bleed and so there wasn't anything they could do, I guess. That's what my doctor told me later. So that's why I guess I got sent home. But I was admitted to hospital and they did a number of like more tests to work out that it wasn't anything that they needed urgent surgery on. And then I stayed in hospital for three or four nights. And then they said that I could go home because I could walk okay by then. I'd improved a lot since Sunday. I could then walk. I still had right side weakness. They did a swallow test on me and they just gave me a tablet to swallow and I swallowed it. And so they thought I was well enough to go home. But then I realised weeks later that I, I was having trouble my whole right side. I couldn't chew, I couldn't swallow properly. Yeah, I had a lot of issues that took months to resolve. And I've still got the right side weakness. I'm seven months post-stroke. Coming up on Stroke Stories, Jana talks about fatigue. There's a number of things that I notice bring on the fatigue. Or for me, I get the sign of a headache and it becomes really bad and then I know like I have to stop what I'm doing and rest so it can be a number of things like it can be overstimulation from light and sound are big ones for me it's hard being in the passenger seat of a car and all of the things whizzing by and how the stroke impacted her home life it was a lot to take on for my husband he didn't actually have time off work and so it was hard for me to just even organize the kids to have breakfast and get dressed and that when I did come home because I was doing that and then his parents were helping out a lot and taking them wherever but it was really difficult in the early you know months few months because that's when I was obviously still really bad and recovering. Let's hear how Yana's recovery is progressing. I try to swim because it's gentle exercise that can help with my strength. I was a swimmer when I was younger, so it was something sort of easy that I could get into. I can't really do much where I'm on my feet too much. They said physio wouldn't help, so I never got rehabilitation in the form of physiotherapy, but I worked with an OT and a speech pathologist to manage my fatigue and help me with my aphasia and, yeah, my auditory processing issues. I've returned to work part-time. It was totally scary. <laughs> I had a lot of anxiety around returning to work. I, I guess the worst part of having a stroke was not being able to work because I just loved it. I was working full-time as a teacher. You know, I had eight classes varying from year seven to 12. and. I just love what I do. And so I really miss that, I guess, social connection and just being able to be involved with the community. Returning to work was scary because there was always that fear that I wouldn't be up to the standard or I'd be compared to the standard that I was pre-stroke. And I guess that was a real issue or hurdle for me to overcome. 
But then I realized when I got back to teaching this year, it wasn't anything new. So I didn't need to learn any new content, which was good because my memory is short. It was things that I'd been teaching for years and years, you know, like five years. So that memory was retained there, the long-term memory. And so I didn't really have an issue once I got back into it, which was lucky. For me now, fatigue is the main issue. It's really difficult and getting the headaches that I still get from, yeah, doing too much and just being tired. I always thought I was tired before because we have little kids and we just haven't slept in, you know, 10 years, but it is next level. I don't quite know how to describe it other than the fact it's beyond tired and like being fatigued for me means that all of my symptoms of the stroke when I initially had it come back. So I get just shocking headaches. It's worse than a migraine. It's, I can't even describe that. And I get the right side weakness goes again. Like I can't pick things up. I drop everything it's really quite frustrating for me because when I get home, I have to, you know, be helpful around the house and make dinner. But that's usually when fatigue hits me later in the day. I'm just dropping everything. I can't cut things up. And yeah, it's quite difficult in my arm and my leg on my right side. The bones just ache and nothing you do helps it. So you can be sitting still or lying down and they just still ache. With the fatigue, I've heard this a lot from other stroke survivors as well. I get this buzzing. It's sort of a buzzing in my head along with the headache. It's like pins and needles and it's painful in your head. And so when you're trying to go to sleep, that's when, that's when you notice it the most because it's quiet and it's, that's when you need sleep the most, but it's really hard to sleep. There's a number of things that I notice bring on the fatigue or for me, I get the sign of a headache and it becomes really bad. And then I know like I have to stop what I'm doing and rest. So it can be a number of things like it can be overstimulation from light and sound are big ones for me. It's hard being in the passenger seat of a car and all of the things whizzing by really affect my head as well and being on my feet a lot which is hard as a teacher because we're always on our feet if I'm you know at a barbecue or something and everyone's standing up um, I'll need to sit down because I know that if that's around lunchtime I know that at night I would just be exhausted and fatigued and I won't be able to do anything and I guess the bad thing about fatigue is that when it's really bad If you're really badly fatigued or you overdo it one day, you can just be out for the next day. Like you can't get out of bed. It's really difficult. At the time of her stroke, Jana had a busy home life with three young children. It's interesting, I guess, the way it's impacted the family because I worked full time. My husband works full time. So we're pretty busy having the three kids anyway. And when we do have spare time, we really love spending it together. I guess it impacted me and the family the most in that just not being able to be involved. 
I felt like I was letting them down, especially the little ones. And so going to like the kids sports, we have kids sports on the weekend and, you know, their concerts and things like that and kids parties, all of that stuff is just like a big nightmare. It like gives me anxiety to start with just thinking about it because I know that it will be really, really bad for me in that I'll get a headache and then I'll be fatigued. All the time I actually carry around earplugs with me just in case it's too much noise just to give myself the relief of not having that auditory overstimulation. That helps. I guess my husband had to pick up a lot more of the household and looking after the kids because before that I would normally cook all the dinners and would organise the family. So I'd be like the walking family calendar. And so it was a lot to take on for my husband. He didn't actually have time off work. And so it was hard for me to just even organise the kids to have breakfast and get dressed and that when I did come home because I was doing that and then his parents were helping out a lot and taking them wherever. But it was really difficult in the early, you know, months, few months, because that's when I was obviously still really bad and recovering. And here's Yana's stroke recovery advice. It is like the worst thing in the world, just having a stroke and the symptoms of it and what can happen, but just stick with rehab and just try and stay positive, I guess. It's quite an isolating and lonely thing if you don't have people around you that have experience with stroke or stroke survivors or rehab or what is involved, but just stick with it and it does get better, I promise. (laughs) For the families, be patient because it's so much to navigate through for the stroke survivors. There's a lot of emotions and frustration and anger. And yeah, while the stroke survivors are trying to work through what has happened and what is going to happen and worried about the future, I guess they just need support and just be patient with them. Jana's life after stroke is slowly taking shape. She's back at work and adjusting to the new challenges that fatigue and right-sided weakness present. Thank you for supporting Stroke Stories. Please do subscribe to our podcast, rate and comment, and let your friends know about the stories that you hear. And if you are or you know a stroke survivor and there's a story you can share, we'd love to hear from you. Please get in touch via Twitter or Instagram. Our DMs are always open. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.